0: What's up, everybody? Welcome back to Actors with Issues, the weekly podcast where we interview the rising stars of TV, film, and Broadway and give you an inside look at the entertainment industry from the ground level. I'm your host, Juan Ayala, and today I am joined by one of my favorite stand-up comedians, YouTubers, podcasters, authors, musicians, and all-around funny boys, Mike Falzone. Mike, what's up, man? Welcome to the show.
1: I'm very happy to be here. Thank you for for having me. (laughs)
0: uh absolutely man so excited to chat with you so um i have seen mike do stand up a couple of times and have as we were just talking um you know i have watched his um youtube videos for years and listened to the one of the 57 podcasts that he's on <laughs> <laughs> too many so many podcasts i mean you can't ever have too many podcasts especially these days everyone's just home listening to yeah stuff and well, watching we're, YouTube videos. we're pushing it and you know of your many podcasts you um the <laughs> ones that i listen to the have listened to for the longest one of them is uh dynamic banter which is um how do you categorize dynamic banter it's like a comedy podcast because you guys are hilarious and i'm usually laughing just for an hour straight at yeah Steven steve's ear is randomness but <laughs> I,
1: I guess it's it's technically comedy we tried to figure out the other day that like um you know, podcasting obviously changed during the pandemic and we were doing a lot of Zoom stuff like this. Mm. But when we were together, we kind of realized that we were just doing this, you know, when when this podcast, when Dynamic Banter was its original form, which was Cloverfields, we had a... Um, a purpose which is where we talked about the Cloverfield movie so yeah. we'd kind of go week by week and talk about any new news that was coming out and we had a purpose we just would like spiral off into like dumb stuff and then Cloverfield came out and it came and went or Cloverfield came out and it came and went So we decided we wanted to do another podcast and we're like, well, no one's going to listen to us just be ridiculous. And then uh, it really is less of a purpose-driven podcast and it's less of like trying to impress anyone or try to make sure people think it's funny in particular. And when we're together, it's like, we're just trying to make each other laugh. And luckily we found a group of people who like listening to that so that is you know it's tough to categorize just bullshitting with your friend as like a legitimate genre of podcasting (laughs) because there's so many podcasts that are so helpful you know yeah and we're just like if you want to zone completely out of your life for an hour (laughs) (laughs) it'd be ridiculous you listen to us
0: I was trying so hard not to interrupt you and be like, a purpose-driven podcast is my favorite self-help book.
1: <laughs> but, you <know>. See? <laughs> and that's what we do. We ruin people's sense of humor <laughs> with these stupid inside jokes that we have. And now, you know, over the past, I don't know, what's it been, like five or six years now that we've been doing that? It's, we have this really cool audience and everyone, because of how random it is and how ridiculous it is, the people who have stuck with us this whole time, it's like, um it's we have such a weird sense of humor that it's nice to know that there's this group of people with like a similar sense of humor from from all walks of life it's it's fun to watch mm-hmm.
0: it's it's it, you're right cuz you know like uh, especially listening to like um your podcast with uh your wife zoya um welcome to our podcast just mm-hmm. why, the, the the intro always cracks me up, like welcome to the podcast welcome to our podcast
1: yeah <laughs> um that's a play off of uh, Daniel Tosh used to have a joke on on one of his albums that he used to listen to all the time. Uh, he wanted to open up a restaurant called Thank You For Calling, How May I Help You? <laughs> so he would pick up the phone and say, thank you for calling, thank you for calling, how may I help you, how may I help you? <laughs> so it's kind of like my little tribute to, to that.
0: Yeah, that's really funny um but you know like with that podcast whenever you guys list off your patrons on patreon it's like holy crap I've been hearing you guys say these names for like so long and it's like you guys have had so many people just like stick around for for years at this point you know besides the obvious points of why you started a podcast with your wife but why what sort of led you guys to start you guys have been doing that podcast for like forever right
1: yeah me and um so I When I lived in Connecticut, I had this job with this um, startup called Waywire. And um, it was a daily, I guess kind of, this is way before I was involved in in SourceFed. I obviously wasn't even living on the um, the West Coast at this time, Mm. but what would happen is this Waywire website, they were like a, it was a startup and it was kind of like a news website. And it was very easy to like, share news and to like curate your news and it's very interesting so they had this daily show that lived on the front page called tweet tap and it was one of my favorite gigs i've ever had in my entire life my producer erica would send me just like one sheet of tweets to either make fun of or expand upon or she would write me a paragraph about why that tweet was um was important that day. You know, there would be a lot of political stuff. And uh, it was a very lighthearted, very nice morning show. And they would send uh, me that one sheet. And I would sit on the floor of like whatever apartment I was in at the time. And I would basically ramble on and like riff on stuff for 15 minutes. And then I'd send them back the footage. And then they would make the show and it would uh, go online every day. So, a lot of the filming of that show took place on the floor of my then girlfriend's house, which became my, my wife eventually. Mm -hmm. So that's, that's Zoya. That's the person I do the podcast with. But when I met Zoya and I first started dating her, she didn't have like a smartphone or a laptop and she had like no desire to be on the internet Mm -hmm. at all. So it's all like very new to her. And then eventually, like all these online gigs do at some point, it goes away and we had this really fun job that went away, but we wanted to keep talking to each other. And we had a little tiny audience of people who liked our our back and forth, you know? Mm. So we started a podcast at the time called Welcome to the Podcast. And we were on some like janky server that like gave us false, um, they like fudged the numbers a lot. Mm -hmm. uh and so when we moved that podcast to um i think it's on soundcloud now we had to change it to welcome to our podcast but we've been doing it for like pretty much as long as we've been together almost eight or nine years and um there's just no one i like talking to more in the world than than zoya so we're thankful that other people like listening to that too Mm
2: -hmm.
0: She's an awesome lady. And you guys have such a funny back and forth. Um, And I just wanted to, this is such an isolated, like, congratulations, but you and Steve and Zoya make my boyfriend laugh so much. And he is so hard to make laugh. He doesn't find me funny. Like he, (laughs) (laughs) like it's it's really hard to make him laugh, but like the silliest, because you know, people can have such a specific sense of humor Uh and, um, I am kind of all over the place. I love, like, the Three Stooges, like, the slapstick stuff. Like, I grew up on that. But then I also love, like, John Mulaney's slightly snarkier yeah. humor, yeah. you know. Um, but then, like, he cracks up at, like, the open eyes bits yeah. and <laughs> yeah. the, the, the ooh-ooh, the microphone stuff. And, uh-huh. you know, just, like, so much of, like, the sillier stuff. And, um, and yeah, he, he loves you guys. And whenever, you know, I have dynamic bands playing in the background. While we're like cleaning or folding laundry or something, and you know we're sharing AirPods or something, and he's just trying not to laugh super hard in public. But <laughs> that's been to, that's been a thank you very much, for you guys. Me. Yeah,
1: it's such an honor to, especially when we hear that, like, um, you know, somebody shares the podcast with their their partner, or somebody has a friend and they force them to listen to it on like a, a road trip or something, and they're notoriously like, um not big laughers or whatever. It's always an honor to hear that we we cracked somebody's shell.
0: So just going back a bit in terms of, so I know like you started with music and YouTube and that eventually led to stand-up comedy. So Mm -hmm. how did you end up doing like one from the
1: other? Um, I did music nonstop for a really long time. And that's where I learned to kind of like do this like grind every day type situation where I was always going to open mics from the time I was like, oh boy, before I was driving. So like 14 or 15 years old up until like I was 25. Mm -hmm. And then I guess the shortest possible version of the story is that through all the different reincarnations of how I would do music, whether I was by myself, whether I was with a band or whether I was doing this like hybrid um, music and comedy thing, I just fell in love with the talking to people in between the songs more than I like playing the actual song. So it was a very like gradual progression. Mm. And then, um, you know, when YouTube came along in 2006, I, I just signed up for it because it was another like new website. I feel like my generation I'm, I'm 36 and I feel like the artists that were making stuff around that time, uh, for the most part, you know, there's a group of like early adapters who were, you know, the first to put their music on MySpace when it was when that was popular, or MP3.com. I remember that mm-hmm. was like a big deal to get stuff on there. And then when YouTube popped up, it was just a logical that was like a seemed like a a good idea to get on there to um to possibly get your music heard by. an audience that you would never have the chance to, to reach unless you had like, you know, some kind of distribution, whatever. Mm -hmm. And then um, that was, you know, I tried to, to do some cover songs and stuff Mm -hmm. because what would happen is, you know, people would search YouTube for these cover songs and, uh, and, and they would get fed your video. And then some of those would go viral, so all of a sudden, you know, I would have fifty thousand people listening to my Gavin DeGraw cover, who, you know, I've never even seen fifty thousand people in my life. So it seemed like a, a pretty good way to to get your music out there. And so I would try to, you know, I would do a bunch of cover videos, and then I try to sneak one of my songs in there to trick people into listening to to my music. And then what ended up happening with that is like, once you get a little bit of an audience for that, I would tour around with some of my friends, some of which I met through YouTube, like Megan Tongis, we would tour around the country. And uh, there would just be people at the show. Sometime it was like, you know, 10, 15, 20 people, but in places that I had never been to in my life, like we can get in the car from, you know, where I was in Connecticut and go to New York. And have people show up at the show in New York and have like 40 people at the show in New York and then go to like South Carolina and have like 15, 20, 30 people, Mm. Um, you know, Savannah, Georgia. And these are all places that like, I just never thought that I would be. Um, So to go there and have people show up at the shows, we're like, oh, shit, this YouTube stuff is, you know, on a very small scale, like it's translating into like there are real people watching these. So, you know, I was just... Try to be as consistent as possible so that the people who were gracious enough to give me their time, I can give them something on a consistent basis to let them know when I was touring and let them know that I was still doing stuff. And that business model pretty much hasn't changed. Um, And then, you know, just like the, the music stuff, I like to, I like talking to people in video form more than i liked to do you know these cover songs so it's just kind of like an evolution i'm 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 really happy with the the way that it worked out like i I had so so many great times playing music and i I don't regret a day of it and it was so awesome for so many different reasons and uh it, it just morphed so naturally into uh telling jokes on stage that i i've really enjoyed how how it's all
0: happened field but you i remember you saying you were just like set up shop in like this like sandwich place yeah and uh, chef's table Chef's table. that's what it was um yeah. and you know and then like that eventually led to what is now basically like your crowd work shows you know
1: yeah yeah i would uh they gave me yeah they gave me the lunch hour And uh, I think I was still in college when this was happening. And so if I didn't have class, I would go down there during lunch and they would give me like a sandwich or pretty much whatever I wanted to eat from the place. So my food was taken care of. And then they'd be like, come play for like three hours. So I would play and I got better at playing and I got better at um you know, keeping people's attention. And I got better at not taking personally when people don't give a shit that you're, you know, playing guitar and while they're having lunch. So it taught me how to like, you know, deal with not being reacted to at all. It taught Mm -hmm. me how to hold people's attention. And that was, uh, that's what I'm saying. Like a a lot of times it was a grind and I, I had to learn how to, um, work smarter instead of working harder. Like my thing was, I would never say no to a show. I took like great pride in that. And I would say yes to everything. And then eventually you realize that like, um, if it it all piles up and maybe not all of it's worth it, you can get burnt out and kind of like bitter. And, you know, so I just learned all these lessons, like very gradually on my way to whatever I'm doing now.
0: (laughs) Isn't it funny how like, especially over the last year, And change it's been very much like get to whatever we're doing now because it's like no one's doing anything uh Mm. traditional really um unless they're in an area where life has slowly gotten back to normal um but you know like so during the pandemic obviously you comedians thrive on being in front of a live audience um and i know even with theater a lot of people are trying to do stuff over zoom um how did you handle like the difference going from live audience to zoom um, or to not at all? Like how, how was that sort of
1: um, that down? How was that for you? So when everything first shut down for real and it got like serious and no one knew like when or how, or if it was coming back, it was very difficult from going like a hundred miles an hour uh, out doing stand-up, multiple shows every night, traveling on a plane somewhere once or twice a month. Mm. Um, to like nothing, that was a hard stop. I had just been, I got passed by the Laugh Factory. I got passed by the uh, the Hollywood Improv, which means you become like one of their paid regulars, and like mm. that was such a, a huge goal for me. So that happened, and then everything shut down and uh and that was a huge bummer and then when the zoom show started popping up i was i did a couple and my stance on that has always been like i'm very happy that they're happening and that they happened because it shows like the spirit of like people want it and there is a need for it and there's a lot of good to it like um the shows were really accessible, especially to places where, you know, they don't have um, a lot of standups come through where they're at. And now if you have an internet connection, you could see all these people that like wouldn't normally come anywhere where you live. So that was a benefit of it. But, um, and as you know, because you do live stuff, it's like, there's such a instant uh, feedback that was, missing it's such an important like it's the only stand-up comedy is like a person on stage and then something makes their voice louder and the audience Mm -hmm. and that's everything you know so when you add like a delay and you know people are at the will of like their internet connection or their audio setup or whatever it takes all of the instant feedback out of it and it's close but it's you know so my whole thing was I was happy that they're happening because I respect the spirit of it and I'm glad that people are doing it especially if it made them feel better but for me I wanted to stop doing those as soon as possible because it's just it it's like it's its own thing it's not you know it's like how almond milk is not cow's milk (laughs) it still kind of does you know fulfills the purpose but it's it's just different you know
0: yeah close but not really the same yeah (laughs) that's a funny comparison um
1: (laughs) (laughs) it was probably a better
0: comparison (laughs) (laughs) so in regards to um content creation similarly um i mean you had been doing your podcasts for years already at the point where doing it over zoom oh well yeah, how was that how, how was you know you and steve you know you and Zoya still got to do it in person but it. like yeah, i'm God. sure at first it was awful having to yeah
1: i i mean i really didn't like we have this whole like era of we kind of separate the eras of dynamic banter by the setting so it mm. started in Steve's apartment and <laughs> we both love that so much and there's like to us like that table set up with the five out of six muppet posters yeah. in the background that's like an iconic like setup and we've had so much fun face to face at that table yeah. the horns everything <laughs> and then we went to the valley folk office at the time and we had a lot of fun there and then that moved to to my house and now we have this room dedicated in my house to to our podcast. And I'm so happy that we're back together. But there was this era right, right that kind of interrupted the My House era, mm. which was the Zoom where you know Steve is at his place and I'm at my place, even though we're like half a mile away from each other tops. Yeah. And for the same reason I hated doing stand up on Zoom. I, I hated doing the podcast over Zoom. And again, it makes you, you know, like accessible people like you and me more accessible, it made this easier than it would have been, you know, if I was to say, come over to my house or I'll go there when I'm in New York or whatever. Right. So that's the good part of it. But again, as far as like, you know, we just got back to doing them in person. So if you listen to the last like 10 or three, even Zoom podcasts, and then the first three, when we're back together, it's like just a completely different like, quicker more organic better feeling show Mm -hmm. and i think that's all that like live performance instant feedback stuff
2: yeah
0: and we're slowly getting there you
1: know it's it's all
0: slowly slowly coming back like here in new york broadway is opening back up in september that's great um and you know the tv stuff has been back since uh late summer once they like figured out how to divide things up and multiple tests and all of that stuff. They scrape your brain right. for a little bit and mm-hmm. figure out if you've got COVID. Um, but yeah, man, it's, it's been a very interesting and a pretty stressful year for a lot of people, especially for all the creatives trying to figure out how to adapt and, you know, how to turn things like the side hustles into their main hustle. Yeah, exactly. And, 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 still a survival job, like a survival job, like,
1: Oh yeah, for sure. I mean, it was great aside from all of the, you know, the, the best things about what happened were, you know, we stayed separate and we didn't get sick and we didn't risk each other's health. mm -hmm. And we were able to keep being there for people weekly. Like, I don't think you know, the whole world shut down and we still, we didn't miss a week, you know? So I know what the podcast that I like listening to, like, I love that they come out every Monday or every Tuesday. And regardless of how that week starts, whether I'm in a great mood or whether I'm dreading that week, I know this podcast will carry me through, you know, a couple of drives in the car or whatever, at the beginning of the week or whatever. So it really is a tremendous honor to be that for people. And I'm glad that, you know, we tried our best. It wasn't always great. We weren't always in the best of spirits, but we showed up um, every week and try to have the best time possible with the, the time that we allotted to, to do the show, you know? So it, it's nice that people stuck with us and it's just nice to, to be a constant for someone regardless of what's going on in their life. That means a lot to us.
0: And you guys have been there for a, you know for, for a lot of people um before the pandemic bringing a lot of laughs and during and it's so hard to just be like and after like nope we're still in the middle of it mm-hmm. <laughs> it's like the pre-pandemic and then now uh um but you know like I said I've been a long-time listener so it's definitely I've definitely been one of those people you guys you know if I was ever on the subway or when I was going from kind of get to new york back and forth working as an extra on tv shows for like three years trying Mm -hmm. to you know get my foot in the door somehow um yeah listening to a lot of dynamic banter and a lot of other of you of your guys shows um
1: thank you very much yeah
0: so you know the show's called actors with issues because we usually do cover um any issues that our guest has um gone through and tackled in regards to the industry whether it's um you know like imposter syndrome or uh, audition anxiety, how to approach the industry and all of that stuff. Um, so is there anything in particular that you want to like shed some light on that you have dealt with, whether recently or over the years, because you've been sort of pursuing this yeah, for, for a while and so many different uh, incarnations.
1: There's, a, I've been thinking about that a lot recently. Because, you know, I'm getting a, I'm not old, but I'm getting a little bit older. You know, I'm 36. 36 is almost 40. And you figure by 40, you shouldn't feel like a deer in the headlights anymore. Like you should have your, at least a little bit of like, you know, well, you should have your, your moral compass and you should kind of know how you feel about what you want to do. And I, I think I'm getting there a little bit. Now it's just putting it into words. And I've been thinking a lot about this a lot. And, um, you know, I went through a lot of imposter syndrome. I've made videos about that before. I made a video with a buddy of mine, comedian Craig Craig Conant about um, imposter syndrome. And uh, it's really all about um, you gain, you have to figure out how to give yourself confidence and you have Mm -hmm. to believe in yourself. And I think a lot of that stems from, you know, you work hard and you don't fool yourself about how hard you're working. And I think to be an actor or to be a comedian or a musician, it's just a cool job to say that you have. And in a lot of instances, like there's no barrier of entry. Like you can go to an open mic and you could say that you're a comedian and not really be wrong, you know? But then there's the, there's the way that you have to condition your mind and the sacrifice you have to make and the time it takes out of your life to really become good at it and dedicate your life to it, the point where to the point where you're going to make money and you know think of it as a career and you become your own boss and then you have to be your own like asshole boss and you have to stay on top of yourself and uh you know and figure out a way to give yourself days off so your brain doesn't explode and just managing all this without any kind of like you know, there's no HR department in comedy and you have to figure it out yourself. You might have a mentor and they might help you out somewhere along the way. I've gotten great advice from people, but I think especially now with the way that, you know, the internet is and the way that media is and the way that production is, it's like, first of all, you have to, you have to be yourself to become whatever unique product you're going to be able to provide for the world and you um it's nice to be able to make stuff based on like uh what you believe in and who you are you give yourself a give people a little bit of who you are and then you decide you know they decide if they're with you or not and like doing things your your own way and um I'll give you like a little anecdote I remember when I first got here I was very uh East coast when I got here and I had my hangups about everyone on this side of the country because I had heard stuff and then I got here and a lot of it proved to be true. And uh, I remember I sat down with a very, very good, very high powered um, uh, comedy manager. And he was like, well, what do you want to do? What do you want to do in five years or whatever? And I sat him down and I was like, I don't care about the fraternity of this stand-up comedy stuff and the boys club and like how everyone is like, we've been through the trenches together. I don't care about any of it. I don't want any, I don't need any friends. I don't need any anything. I just want to get as good as I possibly can. And then I got into it and about four or five years in, I'm like, I see the fraternal part of it. And I understand what it is to like, go through the trenches with people. And so dramatic to call it trenches, like we're in <laughs> war, but we're doing stand-up comedy. But you know what I mean? Just like earning your bumps, yeah. like in paying shitty open mics. Yeah. yeah, paying your dues, You shitty shows you get taken advantage of by people who want to make money off of you or use you for your time or the talents that you have and kind of bleed you dry before they go somewhere else. And you go through this with a bunch of people and maybe a friend hangs on here or there and you have a bunch of good acquaintances. Mm. But I got kind of lost, not lost, but maybe a little cloudy sometimes and further away from my defiant, like, I don't need any part of this. I just need me and need to get better. And then I came out of that. And last year helped a lot. I would say coming out of that started in like 2018, 2019, where it kind of went back to like, you know, some of the people who were in your crew aren't in your crew anymore. And the crew becomes less and less because maybe other people don't have the same drive or other people have different goals and you kind of drift apart, you know? And then you're left with yourself and you look mm-hmm. at yourself in the mirror and you're like, do I still want to do this? If there's going to be no one around? And, uh, and my answer to that was like, absolutely. And I've never gotten further faster than when I was like head down, I do my, even very um, down to like the micro um, versions of it. It's like, what can I control every night? I go out and I do my set and I record my set and then I leave and I listen to it. And I'm like, that could have been better. That could have been better. And then I go to the next show and I do that and I do it again and again and again. And that kind of thought process doesn't require a lot of people around. So it's kind of come full circle to like, I don't need anyone. I'm going to just get better than myself every night. I'm not doing nothing to impress anyone. If I get better, that will inherently in, impress and entertain people, just being as good as I could be. And then up through the like, I need to get past at this club. I need to be on stage. I need to be one of the regulars who goes up here every night. Um, and then right back down to like, now that the world is opening up, you know, if people aren't going to give me stage time in, in town, I, I leave and I get stage time elsewhere. And then I come back and people see what you're doing. And then people want to put you up everywhere after that. Mm -hmm. And the more you don't get caught up in the, you know, every art has the, the, the little pitfalls and the things that can take your attention and your energy away, that is maybe not the best use of your time or energy, whether it be like, you know, drugs or farting around or um, you know, getting caught up in this, that or the other thing. I always found for me that if it always came back to like, I'm gonna be better and go the extra couple miles today that I didn't go yesterday and keep making myself better, better opportunities will come from that. And so that's kind of what I' what I've learned through this whole, through living here and trying to do stand up comedy.
0: just because a lot of actors you know there's still the a rather age-old misconception that if you want to do theater you have to be in new york if you want to do anything else tv or film you got to be in la it's not entirely the case anymore especially with streaming there's like tv everywhere like i've done plenty of tv stuff here in new york um but because so many actors are sort of just picking up their stuff and, and moving to la from the east coast or from anywhere like what advice would you give to like a young artist who's making that big move uh like on their own
1: save your money <laughs> save your money and i mean i came out here i was always really thankful that i came out here kind of like an older age i came out here when i was like 27 mm-hmm. maybe and you know if i came out here when i was 19 or something like that i don't know what would have happened to me but i came out like as a grown-up And um, I had money saved and I had jobs waiting for me when I got out here. I didn't come out here and say like, I got nothing. Let's start from the bottom. You know, I had a little bit of stand-up experience and then I would come out and go to open mics and realize that I wasn't funny at all. So you get your entire ego and sense of self destroyed and then you build it back up from there or you quit, you know, but. I would definitely say come out here with something. I wouldn't suggest coming out here with nothing. I wouldn't suggest coming out here without a job or like a foot in the door, or I know that works for some people. And I know that's like the most romantic version of the story, but I also know that you could get your foot in the door in entertainment from your house in Missoula, Montana. You know, it doesn't matter where you are because of what we were talking about before and the the way the internet is and stuff like that. So I would say that, especially if you want to come out for like music or comedy or whatever, you build your own audience. And if you have an audience, you hold a lot more of the keys than you think that you do. You know, and you don't, you could bypass a lot of these, a lot of these gatekeepers if you have your own audience. Because everyone you attach yourself to, whether it be a manager or an agent, they could introduce you to people and hook you up with opportunities that maybe you couldn't get by yourself. But all of these opportunities end with like, you do this and then you get to a bigger audience. And we could put you in front of this audience, you know? And there's different like special boxes for that. But like I came out building my own audience. So I knew that even if I ate shit in LA, I could still go tour around and have somebody at the shows off of things that I built myself, you know? So I would say, do whatever you can from where you're at to get your own audience, figure out how you're unique from other people and what you have to offer that not everybody else has and save your money and have a job. And also don't fucking, I knew so many YouTube people who would disgust me because they would be like really big in the YouTube world. And then like, you know, they decide to change the algorithm. And next thing you know, they're not making as much money as they did last year and they can't afford their apartment. And, and, you know, God forbid these YouTube people who came from all over the country who are making obscene amounts of money. Next thing you know, like half of their income is cut and they're doing like, side jobs or doing Postmates and like feeling a lot of shame about that. And I was like, dude, that's every actor who's ever been an actor is like, does the, you know, waiter, waitress thing or a host or a bartender or whatever. And now you're, do, you're this is what it feels like to work really hard. You got to be in your bedroom looking at your front facing camera and that worked out really well for you. And then you went out into real life where all of this happens in like LA or New York or wherever. And now you realize that like life kind of punches you in the face. And sometimes you need to, like you were saying, you need to do whatever you can to survive. And then it's like, you have two full-time jobs. You know, I had a lot of full-time jobs while I was doing music and I worked all day. And then I would come home and eat like a, uh, what were they called? A lean pocket. Remember those things? <laughs> they weren't hot pockets. They were the healthy, the healthy yeah. version. And then immediately get in my car and drive to New York and and play a show or go to open mic and stuff like that. So it's a really romantic thing to come out here and say, I'm going to make it against all odds and no one believes in me and yada, yada. But you find out real quick if you're the type of person who wants to work or if you're the type of person who thinks it's cool to call yourself uh, whatever you want to call yourself. Yeah, because it is, it's the most it's the most fun, most rewarding job I've ever had in my entire life, and it's harder than I've ever worked at anything in my entire life, including all the shit jobs I've I've ever had.
0: Yeah, it's you know, so many people still will go out to the big markets, whether it's New York or um, or LA, and think that getting discovered. Is still a thing.
1: Yeah. Um, no, I heard that. I did shows in, in Atlanta this week and still one of the younger comedians came up to me and he's like, there's this kind of hope in Atlanta that like you do shows and you get seen by the right person and they're like, I'm going to take you away. I'm going to take you out of here, you know? And I used to think like that. Yeah. And um, I remember playing music in Connecticut and I met one of those guys at a show at Acoustic Cafe that I didn't even want to play. And I went and I played and I fucked around and I like told jokes and he was great. And, uh, this producer, Mike Mangini, and he, he found like Joss stone. If you remember her, he found the Jonas brothers Mm. and, uh, he produced that song who let the dogs out and he has a Granny. <laughs> and he was like, tell me about what you want to do or whatever. And I was like, Oh, this is the guy who's going to like take me out of here. Yeah. And then he would take me to lunch at the chef's table and be like, here's the difference between working harder and working smarter. And here's your expectation of the entertainment industry being a guy on YouTube from Connecticut. And here's how it really is. So, um, I was able to have realistic expectations of, of how things work. And there's not anybody, you know, fairy godmother who comes down and says, let me, let me take you to the big city. It's like, no, wherever you're at, earn your audience,
2: Mm.
1: slow burn. And just remember like, like easy come easy go. If you get a million people at once, they could leave you the next day. So slow burn, make consistent stuff grab a, a couple hundred people here, there for years. And uh, like I said before, you hold a lot more of the power when you have your your own audience and a, and a group of people who will like um, ride with you no matter what you're doing. So it's like, you have to earn that first. I think a lot of people just want this cool job and they're like, I'm going to do this one thing and that's it's going to hit. And then that's going to be the thing. And then I skate. Yeah. uh whether they know it or not but it's way more of like a grind and a chipping away at it than than a lot of people know
0: yeah or care to admit because how many times how many people do we you know i can't name anyone that actually got discovered that quickly or who had that sort of trajectory of like got discovered and everything was just smooth sailing from there it's like right you never hear that and and to think that we could be that one person who's like, you know, I'm going to change everything. It's like, well, I admire optimism, but uh, right. think, thankfully I was grounded in reality. Similarly to you, I had someone who was like, who worked in the, on the journalism side uh, of entertainment for decades. And he was like, you know, it's all BS. Like everything that you think is a lie, um, Right. it's going to be really hard. You got to book those couple of one-line roles on yeah. a couple of shows and, and work your way up.
1: Dude, yeah, also yeah. like people hire people who are working. You get booked, you they hire and they book people who are in front of them. It's the people who show up and you know, a go above and beyond with the things that they they have to do. You do twice as much as you think that you have to do. Mm-hmm. You show up to someplace without getting paid and you see if anyone needs help and um you know, put yourself in a position where someone else who maybe has connections could see that you're busting your ass. And then right. once people pick up on how you legitimately bust your ass and you're not a bullshit artist and you're not trying to skip the line or whatever, um, people wanna help out, in my experience, people wanna help out people who are working very hard for themselves first. right. Uh, I've seen so many like even on the music side I've seen so many like beautiful pop stars be way more worried about their Instagram engagement than they are about writing their next 50 songs you know and uh, it's just your what you really want bubbles to the top fast and your true desire and what you want out of this like. Whatever you think this life is comes to the forefront really fast, and uh, and then you just got to decide whether you're on the right path and and that this life is worth it for
0: you. Yeah, uh, I always like to end the show with a segment called "Getting to Know You," uh, as if we haven't gotten to know you for the last forty minutes. Uh, we're gonna okay. throw some questions at you.
1: We're friends by this point. <laughs>
0: <laughs> you're invited to my wedding. Um, <laughs> i'm not getting married anyone listening i'm not you didn't miss some big announcement don't worry Uh,
1: (laughs) i would be the first to know though obviously
0: (laughs) uh so uh gonna just throw some some rapid fire questions at you some this or that some would you rathers um always starting with an easy one coffee or tea oh coffee everyone go buy him and zoya's new coffee by the way um please (laughs) uh drama or comedy comedy Uh, tv or film
1: i guess if i had to pick one i'd say tv i really don't ingest much stuff i haven't for for years now all my friends make fun of me because i got a bunch of nerd friends who watch everything (laughs) but i don't i don't watch anything but i guess if i had to pick there's way more i have way more good tv memories than i do movie memories i think
0: Dare I ask what's the last movie you watched through
1: entirely without falling asleep? I don't know. (laughs) I couldn't even tell you. That's a great question. Without falling asleep, I couldn't. I I could tell you the last movie I tried to watch (laughs) was uh, Venom, three D in uh in In the Oculus.
0: Oh, like the the VR. The VR. Yeah. God, that movie of all movies to watch, and I wanted to like it
1: really bad. I, I mean, I have a group of friends who like purposely watches rough movies because of the experience. And like right. we watch it with a bunch of funny people and we all make comments and whatever. But like you could always tell when somebody falls asleep in VR because they're, everybody has a little, you know, like your little person or whatever, your little uh, avatar. And then your avatar will be like up and looking around. And then like you'll see like <laughs> – Somebody will drop one of the controllers, so their hands will be like this, and yeah, like, like, totally backward. So that was me. I was just snoring into my headset. <laughs> uh,
0: what's your most reason, recent recent uh, binge watch?
1: Dark Side of the Ring. It's a, a documentary series about wrestling on Vice.
0: Oh yeah, um, one of my past it's really guests,
1: good.
0: one of my last guests on the show. He was the very first guest of 2021. His dad was a pro wrestler. Um, Which one?
1: I don't remember his name. Oh, this is such important information.
0: (laughs) This is what editing's for. Hang on, I have to look it up now.
1: No, don't edit this out. People need to know about the process. (laughs) People need to know that as a podcaster, we don't always have all the answers. Now I'm going to feel like trash if I am not familiar. (laughs) I hyped it up. Does he have the same last name as his dad?
0: He has like his actor last name, so it's not even easy to like track. So the actor's <laughs> name is the the guy who was the guest. His name's Gage Poshlepec Is his actual last name? Okay. Um.
1: But his dad so like won. When it and did he talk about it during the episode? Maybe I could just go back and listen to the episode <laughs> and be a good friend. <laughs> Bart Gun bar gun brawl for all is what you were talking about yes yeah yeah. so bar gun he just recently had a dark side of the ring about him because Mm. he was in that brawl for all the brawl for all was a terribly orchestrated very dangerous (laughs) very terrible terrible bit of television Mm. where um wrestlers who you know wrestling is an orchestrated predetermined thing And this brawl for all was what they call a a shoot fight, which is not, or it's real. And um, he won the brawl for all. So he Uh beat up in real life, real fights, all these other wrestlers. And then as a reward for beating all the other wrestlers in the finals, they put him up against this guy called Butterbean, who at the time was a Golden Glove boxer and like won all these tough man contests. Mm-hmm. So he already had real fights with a lot of guys who were like, he's chummy with in, in the locker room. So he beat up all of his friends through <laughs> this like Roman Emperor type you know, 1998 wrestling crazy madhouse. Mm-hmm. And then as a reward for beating everyone, they put him in this ring, in the ring with Butterbean, who knocked him out in, very violently in like whatever in like no time so he was supposed to win that and then as a reward for winning you would get like you know more tv time and probably get pushed into these uh different more prominent um and become a bigger part of of television and mm. you know he won that and he earned it but instead he just got like knocked out by this real legitimate fighter and uh he got hurt and his career like um kind of took a little bit of a dive afterwards and it was just seen as this like really barbaric really like unfair circumstance so that's like super interesting that uh that you had a son on uh because he seemed like a great guy
0: yeah yeah from what i mean from what his you know obviously i mean not everyone you know praises and talks up their parents but from what um from what gage is telling me you know super super awesome guy and he had mentioned so um gage did an episode of ballers with the rock Uh your good friend dwayne yeah yeah. um my buddy and uh he had told him he was like hey like my dad you know is um is Bart gun and and, you know and he they had they had known each other when the rock was coming up so Uh um so you know the rock was telling gage he's like oh it's really like you know they just started like you know on set shooting shit and just telling him like it's really cool how things sort of came full circle. Like your dad was there when I was coming up, and now you're an actor coming up and I'm here to like, you know. Yeah. Um, so that was really, really cool. And um But yeah, what a coincidence.
1: Yeah. Outside of the ring. Go so outside. interesting, man. One of the most interesting, even if you don't like wrestling, but you listen to like um Unsolved Mystery podcasts or like the mm-hmm. murder the podcast stuff that everyone's too. right. It's just incredibly interesting stories. And the life of a pro wrestler has just like been fascinating to me forever because for the longest time, people didn't know that it was a, a work as they say. Like people didn't know whether or not it was real mm. and and um, that you had to take on a, a character persona in your real life and just like live your life like that to, to not, you know, in this real carny mentality, and you don't let people peek behind the curtain and all these guys right. had real lives and they were all like crazy human beings. And they led this really tumultuous. It's just so fascinating mm-hmm. for a thousand reasons.
0: Um, would you rather start in a TV sitcom or have a Netflix comedy
1: special? Oh man, dude. <laughs> you know what? This is going to be a very, I'm going to look back at this answer and be like, what a timely answer and let's say that we live in a time where people are really like horny for sitcoms. Right. So I want to be like a reoccurring character on a sitcom Mm. that eventually gets into syndication and then you just get checks for the rest of your life. Right. You had a hundred
0: episodes. Yeah.
1: Yeah. You could have a Netflix special. And then like in five years, no one is subscribed to netflix everyone's subscribed to splork or whatever the <laughs> next one is gonna be spork plus splork plug. <laughs> i want to have my pleasure. <laughs> um, you know what i mean yeah but like y- you can watch an episode of seinfeld or the office at any time a day on regular television and everyone's Still. getting paid for that yeah, yeah.
0: That blows my um, mind. I'm like, those guys don't have to work. They just do out of boredom. But it's like you did yeah. two over 200 episodes of a show. Um, and now it's on Peacock. It's still on like TBS. It's still on Comedy Central. And That's same mood. with like the Law and Order shows. There's always a marathon of Law and Order on somewhere at all. Yeah. <laughs> Whether it's yeah. USA or like ION or wherever. Um, Explore.
1: Yeah. <laughs> Coming soon. Yeah. <laughs>
0: Um, have you ever been starstruck And with who
1: Oh yeah man a bunch I guess uh, maybe it's wearing off Because I guess um, Like meeting the rock Was a big deal Because he was you know A huge part of my, my childhood And like my adolescence and stuff and then you see these guys in front of you and first of all, they're massive. So it's just like, right. the, it's like a wall with a head. And, uh, and so that's crazy. So that's always a, a little weird. And then, you know, I've met a lot of comedians who I've really looked up to. And then sometimes you run into a situation where people that you've really looked up to kind of sometimes uh, disappoint you in, mm-hmm. in one way or another. And uh, that happens throughout, you know, whatever, because you see someone from a distance and you have this idea of them, and then um, maybe you, you get a little let down from time to time. And I think what that does is like, once you have your own, uh, like going back to what we're saying before, like moral compass, and mm-hmm. then you kind of meet your heroes or whatever, and you see where they where they fall on that. Um, I think that dulls or that dulled my uh, oh, these are artists, these are like world renowned artists. And, and I'm me. And, you know, eventually, like over last year, I was like, you know, like we live in the same town. And I've been doing this a lot. And I've been seen, you know, going back in the YouTube days and now the TikTok days, like I've been seen by millions of people and I may not have the same bank account that everybody else has. And I might not be at the the pinnacle of where I'm going to be in my comedy career yet, but we're all just people, you know, and we're navigating through whatever. So it used to be like, you like I saw Courtney Cox the other day come out of a coffee shop uh-huh. and I was just like, Hey, and I said, hi to her, like, we went to middle school together. And she was like, <laughs> Oh, Hey. And I was like, all right whatever and then my friend was like whoa that's courtney cox and i was like yeah she's getting a fucking coffee we just got our coffee well li- then she's rich but other than that like you know we're all just here getting coffee <laughs> so it doesn't happen as much the older i get is being starstruck doesn't happen as much but um you never know you never know you yeah. could run into someone tomorrow that you never thought you would see in real life and still be like whoa.
2: yeah
0: that yeah. I've definitely become desensitized to it all, especially working as an extra on all these different shows for so long. You're just like, oh, like I'm being I'm being told to stand right next to hand this folder to to you know to the leader <laughs> of the show, to Mariska hargitay on SVU or whatever, right. you know. Ice that's right, fucking iced tea. Like yeah you know?
1: right, <laughs> um, right. It's
0: just you're like, oh, and mind you, sometimes they're like the loveliest people on set when the when they say cut, and then sometimes you learn who the
1: divas are. Um Dude, that's it. that's what ruins it for you is when you ruin, when you get to someone, when you get to meet somebody and they're kind of a piece of shit,
2: mm-hmm. you're
1: like, oh, you ain't shit, dude. You're just a rich person. Right. It doesn't matter. And you, you know, you think you're going to be the same thing forever. And that's not how life works. Right. So you got to be, uh, I'm always really thankful for the the people who will give you the time of day if they can. And even if they can't, if they're, you could tell if somebody's a a chill person or not.
0: Yeah. Uh, What's a movie that never fails to make you laugh?
1: Um, Movies, huh? (laughs) League of Their Own. League of Their Own. I guess. Beetlejuice. I laugh at a different part every time I see Beetlejuice. (laughs) I used to have that filmed off of... uh, I would record it off HBO when I was little. So I had a VHS that have like a sticker on it and just said Beetlejuice. <laughs> I used to watch it all the time, and I then those. I would see it again as a as, as an adult and just laugh at completely different parts of it.
0: Um, I just had a memory of dynamic bands the Dead Gentleman referring dead gentleman. to
1: referring to Beetlejuice. Yeah. Um, also, like, dude, there was a time in my life where I fell asleep to Step Brothers every night, and I could <laughs> still watch Step Brothers and and laugh so hard.
0: Uh, do you have a favorite impression? To do and if so can
1: we hear it that i do i guess just i'm obsessed with like the cockney english <laughs> accent or what i understand that that is a fucking darn you do or you don't and that's pretty much it you don't yeah? and do you and didn't know it wasn't all during it we're all doing it <laughs> that's one of my favorite man i always said that zoya my wife would be in trouble if i ever met uh, if I ever went over to England and I met somebody with a thick, like indistinct, <laughs> couldn't even understand what you were yeah. saying, Cockney accent. Whoa, look at this guy. Whoa, come over here. Dude. Like, oh shit. Like uh, Amy Winehouse used to have kind of a thicker accent mm. and I, I would just like watch her like, uh, <laughs> and like uh, Kate Nash, I used to love Kate Nash's accent, mm. so uh, I grew up a huge Beatles fan, so I was always a huge fan of the, uh, of the like thick English accent,
2: Liverpool. Mm-hmm. Um,
0: <laughs> are you someone that like if you were in that situation, would do you just like gravitate toward that accent immediately for because I'm kind of like that if I hear an accent for whatever reason, my brain's like, oh, you should do it too. Bad idea. <laughs> but,
1: <laughs> yeah. Like what are you do, no, like, you know? No, I, I, uh, no. No, it's, it's part of this be yourself campaign that yeah. I'm on right now. It's <laughs> when you start changing your voice based on who you're around. You run yeah, the code into switching, some dicey. Sad. Yeah. It's just a very weird position to put that other person in. You know? They're like, are they mocking me or are, are you they... are you kind of doing what I'm doing? <laughs> 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 Why are you doing that? What are you doing? <laughs> what are you doing? <laughs> and great. then they're always like a dark sound like that <laughs> it's like, yeah you do man. that's what i hear I'm sorry
0: uh and in 10 words or less what advice would you give to a young performer
1: be yourself don't try to impress anyone there you go yeah
0: mike thank you so much man this was awesome yeah uh, thank, thank you for you. coming on uh, so, where can people follow you uh, on social media if they want to give you follow?
1: It's mostly just at Mike Falzone. That's Twitter and Instagram, and uh, I have an Instagram for my photography called Mike Fal And I've been getting really into uh, TikTok, and it's just been fun. And that's uh, at Mike Falzone Comedy. Um, yeah, mikefalzone.com, and you know, just search my name. You know, all my clips and stuff will pop up if you like stand up. There's a lot of stuff to watch.
0: I highly recommend everyone watch his Pumpkin Spice video. I watch it every year. (laughs) Thank you. Uh, you. And if you guys want to see Mike in person, you can head over to mikevalzone.com to check out his upcoming tour dates. Uh, He's got a couple performances next month in California. And you can all follow us at Actors With Issues on Instagram. A massive thank you to our sponsor, Anchor, for supporting the show. Head over to anchor.fm to get started on your very own podcast, 100% free. And if you enjoyed today's episode, please subscribe to the podcast, leave a rating and review wherever you're listening and catch new episodes every Friday on all podcasting platforms and also check out Mike's other podcasts. Welcome to the podcast and Dynamic Banter. I'm Juaniala. This is Actors With Issues and we'll see you next week.